Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, hey, uh, let's dive in. I titled this morning's message, We Can Still Show Up. We can still show up. Have you ever had a moment in life where you didn't feel like showing up? Maybe you said something and you're like, no, I wish I could get that back, right? Or maybe you did something really embarrassing and you had that scenario and you're like, I can't ever go back to that place ever again. Maybe we've had those moments where we don't feel like showing up. But I got news for you. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter what your history looks like, is that no matter who you are, you can still show up and have a relationship with Jesus. He doesn't care about your past. He doesn't care about maybe the mistakes you'll make in the future. What he cares about is that you're authentically pursuing him in a present moment. And church, that's a lot to be grateful for and a lot to have joy for. Speaking of interesting moments, in 1958, a baby boy was born to the Lane family. The father, Robert, chose to name the boy Winner. Now, let's put them together. Winner Lane. How awesome of a name would that be, right? Like, hey, come and check me out. I'm at Winner Lane. Like, I would go change my driveway, my street, everything. His name was Winner Lane. Well, about three years later, the family, the Lane family, was expecting another boy. When Robert asked one of his daughters, what should we name our next son? The daughter said, we should name him Loser because we already have a winner in the family. Come on now. Can you imagine your name being Loser? Like, you're you're signing up from day one, instant counseling sessions, right? Like, hey, I'm loser. Like, I'm calling. Well, most of the family and friends believed they knew how everything was going to turn out and how the boys would specifically turn out. But contrary to all expectations, winner or loser lane, excuse me, succeeded. He graduated from college with a football and wrestling scholarship. He later became a sergeant in the NYPD. Over time, those who were close to Loser Lane couldn't fathom calling him a loser, so they nicknamed him Lou. Now we have to ask, whatever happened to Winter Lane? Contrary to the name, he actually was arrested approximately 30 times before the age of 30 lived in homeless shelters, was arrested for burglary, domestic violence, trespassing, resisting arrest. Talk about two different scenarios. One brother received a badge number, the other brother received an inmate number. See, the idea of the story is simply this, that no matter how you start out, isn't nearly as important as how you finish. The odds can be stacked against you. 
You can have doubt in your mind. You can have an attitude that needs to be adjusted. You can have circumstances that say, is there really a God out there? Here in a moment, we're going to look into one of the fascinating ways that Jesus communicated with the, mid, with the big idea that it doesn't matter where you're at now, but it matters of how you receive who God is in your life. We define parable as this. It's a riddle that illustrates Jesus has this fascinating way of teaching people. And the religious and self-righteous people sometimes didn't understand Jesus' direct approach. So what he would do is he would craft what they should receive into this idea that illustrates a story. It's this understanding and this, this, this different, unique way that he would captivate an audience and let them pick up what he's putting down. It's this idea that whenever a farmer would walk along the, the soil in his field, he would throw seed down and eventually it sprouts, it takes roots and sprouts. Jesus would in the same way metaphorically walk along someone's life. In this particular case, in just a moment, a, a religious group of people throws some seed down and hopefully it would sprout in their life. Now we see in Jesus' story right here in this narrative, he's a, less than a week away from going to the cross, giving up his life for each and every one of us, the gospel message. We just have the triumphal entry, Jesus goes to the temple and he, and he clears the temple out, and then he curses the fig tree and he comes back and he shows up at the temple. And he's in this mentality that he's very down to earth, communicating to normal people, people who maybe have a perception of who they are that needs to be adjusted a little bit. So he tells three parables, and we're looking today at the first one. So join me, Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 32. So Jesus kicks off with a question because his authority is being challenged. He says, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and he went anyway. Then the father told the, older, the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will be there. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed? Jesus is asking this, this group around at the temple. They answered correctly. They said, they replied the first son. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. Now, can you imagine that scenario? It's like I show up for prayer service. This man by the name of Jesus comes into the house. We don't really know him. He's challenging the authorities. And he says, hey, you, you go to prayer service. Hey, you go to church, you go to the temple, but let me tell you one thing. There's people that are out there working the corner, outside of this building, who are swindling you, who are cheating you. They have maybe a better chance than you inheriting eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but as a church goer, I would be like, Woo, Jesus, that's some fighting words. My life measured up to their lives? Come on now. But that's the intensity that's taking place at the scene when Jesus is challenging the religious authorities. Verse 32, 
Jesus quotes a prophet that came before him. He says, or, or mentions him, for John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him. While tax collectors and prostitutes did, and even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Bold, bold talk. See, today I want to give you three reasons why we can continue to show up. The first one is this. We can still show up because good endings can come from bad beginnings. Good endings can come from bad beginnings. My uh, family and I, we have this, this saying in our house that says, never a bad day, just bad moments. I've probably said it a time or two when I've been up here. Our days aren't ruined necessarily. We just have bad moments within our day. Imagine this scenario right out the gate. The family comes down for breakfast. Let's modernize it a little bit. The older son comes there and and dad's sitting there and says to the older son, looks at him eye to eye, make sure he receives and understand what he's saying. He's like, I need you right now to get ready to be prepared later in the day to go work the vineyard with me. The older son, you know, he's got that, his day planned out, his day planned out, that, that swagger to him. He's got that, that rose tattoo on his neck. He's got the cut off sleeves. He's got the chain that hangs low. He's even got that e-cigarette in his pocket. Dad's telling him this stuff. And he's like, Dad, I don't want to go. I got plans. I got plans with my girlfriend, Betty. And when he's talking and he's like, Dad, you're interrupting my plans, what you have in store for me. He's like, I'm not going. So we'll call him Red, the older son named Red. He leaves the house, he hops on his motorcycle. He's driving away to go see Betty because that's his girlfriend's name, you know, and he, he's on his way. And then we have son number two. He's that one, one kid that everybody kind of looks at. He's got khakis and a polo on. His hair is side part over, perfect amount of gel. Everything looks great from the appearance. Dad leans in and says, hey, son, I want to see you at the vineyard later today. He says, dad, with his, you know, upbeat voice, I'll be there. Can't wait to see you. But then doesn't show up. Older son, Red, he's on his way. He's halfway to Betty's house. Can't wait to hang out with his girlfriend all day. She'd be right on the back, hair blowing in the wind. And he gets this change of heart. Says, you know what? My father needed me. My father wanted me. My father reached out to me. He says, pulls over and says, Betty, I can't be there. My father needs me. Turns around and comes back. Bad beginning, different ending. Bad beginning, a new ending. Bad beginning, a great ending. See, when we look at this passage of Scripture, it actually connects with people who follow Jesus very closely and people who are far away from Jesus. 
The first one is this. It can serve to us as an encouragement that no matter what you've gone through in your life, no matter what you face right now, no matter how bad it has been, the mistake you've made, the bar you've visited, the friends you've hung out with, the people you hooked up with, no matter what has happened in your life, the addictions that have taken place in your life or might still be taking place in your life, that there is hope to change it. Psalms 25, 7 simply says this, and I love it because I feel like a lot of us can connect with it. It says, do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Anybody relay with that? You're like, "Woo! come on, Pastor Blake, if you knew me about 10 years ago or yesterday, then we'd have some things going on in life. We'd have some real conversations. I think we make a lot of mistakes. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. That's such an encouragement that no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you face, we can be encouraged to saying, hey, we still have a moment to change our heart. We still have a moment to say, you know what, there's, there's hope despite being overwhelmed with hopelessness. And then there's this other side of this parable. One that might connect with a lot of us in this room. We know Jesus quite well. We make going to church a commitment in our lives. There's this warning side to it. That you might start out great, but it's not how you start, it's how you finish. There's individuals I know who've poured this into my life this idea of you need to grow old with grace. Grow old with grace. And it's always kind of resonated in my life that no matter what I face, that I'm hoping in my youth to my middle age to when uh, I'm looking to wrap things up in my life that I'm growing old with grace. That I'm still evaluating, still looking, still constantly saying, am I doing and living the way I should live? It's this warning that, hey, just because you did something 20 years ago or 10 years ago or a week ago doesn't mean you shouldn't still be operating with that same mentality of, hey, I need to keep going strong, keep living with hope, keep changing and working and developing my attitude despite what is faced against me. We've got to be willing to grow old with grace and not celebrate the wins of the past, but celebrate the future and what can take place and impart in our lives. Matthew 10, 22 It's highlighted simply this way, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. This idea of great endurance. I'm always reminded, you know, grade school, elementary school, we always had to run the mile, you know, every year in PE, and I hated it. It was always like, oh man, hate running still to this day. Can't fathom people that want to pay to run marathons. They don't connect with me. It's like really weird. If you want to pay me, I'll count out 27 miles and you can just give me that $50, $100. All right, that's my side rant. But can you imagine when you're, you know, that grade school and you're getting ready to run the race and people take off in the race and the, the students, they sprint. And then you're like, man, how are they so fast? But then about halfway through, they're walking 
I think a lot of us do great. We sprint hard. We commit. We do our daily devotionals for one week, and we're like, man, I got it in the bag. And then we're walking at the end of the day. The Apostle Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians. He says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. See, it doesn't matter what's happened in the past, how bad the beginning started, just like we talked about when it came loser lane and winner lane, is knowing that there's still a future where we can do well, where we can attain hope of Jesus in our life. We also see this in our second observation of why we can still show up is simply true belief leads to changed actions. True belief leads to changed actions. Now, when it comes to truth, when we think about truth, there's three categories. The first one is this. We have opinions. Middle is belief. And then we also have convictions. Jesus is addressing the belief or their, their truth system in their life. See, a lot of us, we can have opinions, right? I mean, we see opinions everywhere this day and age. See, the thing with an opinion is you can have an opinion on something, but when a good sound argument comes or someone gives you a different kind of experience, then that opinion can be easily changed. And then we have belief. Belief is, hey, I agree with that evidence. I agree with that fact, but it doesn't change my life. And then there's conviction. When conviction is in our life, it dictates how we perform. When conviction's in our life, it dictates how we act. See, this is what Jesus calls this group to in Matthew 21, 32. Let me highlight it again. It says, for John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe in him and repent of your sins. Repentance is this idea of, I know what I'm doing, but I'm turning away from that behavior and I'm gonna lead and live a new life. I like how it's been said right here by this Danish philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard, he says this, people try to persuade us that the objections against Christianity spring from doubt. This is complete misunderstanding. The objections against Christianity spring from insubordination, the dislike of obedience, rebellion against authority. See, true belief in our life says, I'm making Jesus the leader of my life. When Jesus becomes the leader of my life, my, my, cha- my actions change my understanding, my thoughts change, my attitudes change. We just closed up a series called Keeping It Fresh where we looked at the fruits in our life. I believe right now we don't need more self-help. We need more of God, less of everything else. 
We have to come to this understanding that whenever there is conviction, whenever I say, Lord, you are the leader of my life, my life is changed. My thoughts are changed. If we asked you right now, I think most people who are far from God, who don't have a relationship with Jesus would say, I believe that there's a God, right? Because everything scientifically matches up. Like it's kind of, even your leading atheists have recanted in their final moments of life because it's like everything is too perfect for there not to be some kind of divine creator. For us, we find that hope and that answer in our heavenly father, God, his son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. See, when we have that conviction, when we say, Jesus, you're the leader of my life, our, our, everything changes. In Luke 3, 12, verse 14, Jesus highlights again this moment with John the Baptist. He says, even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. A lot of times there's this idea or this understanding that we need to change everything about our lives in order to be made right with God when really it just comes to saying, hey, Jesus, you're the leader of my life. I'm gonna live in obedience. I'm gonna pursue you. I'm gonna chase after you. I'm gonna be committed to you and I'm gonna let you be the, the authority over me. See, when it comes to showing up, what we're doing is basically saying, hey, I'm no longer in charge, but you are. Another observation we gain is this. Right now, we have present choices. You can still show up. We have the privilege, if you're watching or join us online or here in this place, you have a present choice of who you are gonna allow Jesus to be in your life. Is he going to be the leader and authority of your life? Or is he just going to be that person, I believe in that, but it's not really going to impact your life. Jesus, he opens up with this question in Matthew chapter 21 and 28, and I just want to draw our attention back to that. He says, but what do you think about this? He's in this scene, this scenario, at this time, people hate Jesus. They've already kind of conspired and said, how can we kill this man? Even Jesus being Jesus, knowing their thoughts, knowing what's taking place in their life, knowing what's probably going to happen in just a few days' time, still gives them a choice. See, it's just not, you know, like that cliche flannel graph, you know, growing up in Sunday school like I did, where it's just like four guys in white robes in the temple. There's probably hundreds, if not thousands of people observing Jesus' teaching. I like to be a little bit of an optimist to say there's some of those in the crowd that say, yeah, we want that, and we're going to step away from these religious Pharisees and self-righteous people who think they have it all together. So when Jesus is teaching in this temple, he's challenging, you have a present choice right now how are you going to respond what kind of choice are you going to make are you going to be the older son who knows you got some baggage or are you going to be the the young son who says hey i got everything together look at me from the outside but then at the end of the day doesn't show up there is this man in 
1858. His name was Charles Baldin. I can't say it. It's like a French name. I've tried to go with it. Uh, and uh, he was a tightrope tight rope walker. I mean, that's really all the French are known for, right? Like, ah, uh, USA. Um, and he did this fascinating feat some hundreds of years ago. He crossed Niagara Falls. Now, if you've ever been there in New York and Niagara, man, it is overwhelming with the power that is coming off the cliff. I mean, it's loud. It's like you're yelling when you're next to people. It's really cool. I fortunately, I fortunately have been there, and it's, it's a fascinating experience. So this French tightrope walker starts to do something that's never been done before, and that's tightrope 160 feet in the air across the falls. Now, can you imagine that? Like, pretty, pretty scary. Like, think of, like, the greatest waterfall in Florida. So, like, go to the beach. And you see this, but, I mean, like, it's fascinating. So he goes one time and comes back. He decides to do it again. This time he's going to do it blindfolded. The next time he's going to do it in the dark. Next time he does it on a bike. And each time he goes, the crowd is cheering. They're like, "Woo!" Like, they're applauding. They're like, this is awesome, man. You go. You're the man. Let's go, Charles. French all day, every day. Like, it didn't matter. He comes back to the crowd. He says, who thinks that I can do it pushing someone across in a wheelbarrow? They're like, yeah, yeah. He's like, who thinks I can do it? He's like amping up the crowd. They're like, yeah, you can do it. You're awesome, you know. Turns to the crowd. Who wants to get in? Imagine their response. I ain't getting in. Like, like, hey, I got some people I'll let you put in there, right? Like, come on, like you, you. No, I'm joking. I'm not pointing to anybody specifically. But there's sometimes where we're like, hey, we want people to get in that wheelbarrow. We want people to figure out themselves and say, hey, that's, that's your choice. That's not mine. I'm cool with being a bystander. I'm cool with not making this choice for Jesus. I'm cool with saying, you know what? When it comes to that kind of choice, to be pushed, to hand everything, to put my life in God's hand, and I don't know if that, I don't know if I'm cut out for that. See, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, we're challenged with this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. There's people that I know that are right here watching, engaged, hanging out with us in the room or online. And you're wrestling with a moment in your life. You don't want to show up anymore. You're saying, hey, I'm done. I might look the part, I might act the part, but when it comes to God actually pushing this wheelbarrow in my life, nope, I'm not getting in it. You made too many mistakes. You're tired of keeping a good attitude. You're tired of just striving to do your thing and say, God, I want more of you and less of me. You're just ready to say, hey, I believe in God, but man, God hasn't really played out in my life. See, those two sons, 
one with baggage, the other who looked the part, act the part, talked the part, never showed up. My challenge to you, are you gonna be someone that is fully convinced, willing to give your life over, willing to say, God, I wanna relinquish everything to you, even if it's a hard time, a challenging time, a time where I don't have all the answers, but I'm searching for the answers, I need the answers, but I'm gonna keep trusting you, God. You have a present choice, church. You have a present choice. You have a choice right now that can say, look, I'm done with faking it. I'm done with trying to look the part and act the part. I really want to give that time to God in my life. We're going to close, and I didn't do this first service. I was sitting backstage and um, just kind of felt I want to give some people an opportunity to respond today. I asked the band to come back up here and sing. We're just going to reprise very shortly, and then we'll have closing remarks. We're going to sing a song, Worthy. We have to ask ourselves right now, even though we're not worthy, we still have a choice to have a relationship with who is worthy in our lives. So I want to challenge you on two fronts. The first one is this. Maybe you have Jesus operating full-fledged in your life. That's awesome. But maybe you have a moment right now where you live in that rebellious life. It's not too late. You can make a present choice. God still wants to have a relationship with you through his son, Jesus. We'll find out a little bit more as we close filling out a communication card. I want to encourage you to do that because we want to walk hand in hand with you as you explore what it means to follow Jesus. And this probably applies to the majority of us in this room or watching, tuning in right now. There might be some of us in this place where you read a parable like this and you're thinking, yeah, I look the part, I talk the part, I act the part, but really that parable is a mirror. Am I living that part? Is my yes at breakfast still my yes at dinner time? So church, I'm gonna ask each and every one of us in this house to stand up. If you'll go ahead and stand. We're going to sing, and we're going to let God just move in this place this morning. I want to challenge you, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, that our God still wants us to show up, still has a vineyard available for us, and still has a promise to keep with us. Let's not just push that away, but let's lead where it changes our life. Let's sing this morning, church. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.